this is a pretty informal episode. I wasn't planning on doing it. I have two episodes that I'm working on right now. I've got the scripts pretty much almost finished, but then I know the editing for those is going to take a little bit. So while we're waiting, I thought we could do a little chat about all the drama with the Don't Worry Darling premiere and just the entire production because it hasn't actually hit most theaters yet and it's already created quite a quite a hullabaloo. So just as a forewarning, I really haven't done much research for this episode. I don't really need to because there's not a whole lot of evidence or facts to parse in any meaningful way. It's all just a whole bunch of gossip, and I love gossip, so I thought we could talk about it a little bit because I do have a lot of thoughts around the various points of discourse here. But before we get into that, I'm going to take the opportunity with this less structured episode to just go over some housekeeping stuff, mostly in regards to the last episode, which was the fourth part of the Amber Heard Johnny Depp thing. So as I mentioned in that episode, I have become a part of the Depp Delusion subreddit. I don't post there like a whole bunch, but I look at Reddit fairly often, so it is on my, like, general little dashboard. I see what the peeps are discussing in there, and they did discuss that last episode, and were very kind about it, so thank you. I really appreciate it. It means a lot to see intelligent, nice people discussing things that I worked on. So someone posted the last episode, and the title of the post on Reddit is Medusini dropped a new two-plus-hour podcast. She has transitioned from neutral to I believe Amber to what the fuck the world has gone at least partially insane. Depth delusion looking pretty reasonable. I've never had so much fun cleaning my closet. Join me. And that is so nice. I am so glad that I could be with you as you cleaned your closet. I really, really need to clean mine. But I am not going to listen to my own podcast to do that. But thank you. Um, and yeah, I'd say that's a pretty um, accurate summarization of events. I did start pretty neutral. Just wanted to get the basic facts. Amber's side was far more compelling, and you are correct, the world has gone at least partially insane. But I want to talk about two things that came up in the general discussion on this post. So, first off, uh, no one really said anything, like, directly about anything that I said, but there was a bit of a conversation about how media was involved, like the quote-unquote mainstream media, and how they covered the Johnny Depp Amber Heard saga. So again, no one was taking any specific issue with anything that I had said, but I do just want to clarify something just for my own, like, sense of ease, because I want to be really clear about what I was meaning when I was criticizing the media and their coverage on the trial. I agree with what some people said in this subreddit about how a lot of the mainstream media did cover the trial and were pro-Amber, so yes, there were a lot of articles that came out that talked about the trial and sided with Amber in the way that they brought to attention the fact that the trial was really regressive for Me Too and for, like, general abuse allegations, domestic violence, etc. People brought up Darvo a lot, which was a really good talking point. I'm glad people did that. And then there was a lot of discussion about how social media had gotten really, really toxic surrounding the case. 
And that was all valid. Those were good talking points. That's a lot of what I talked about the last episode. But where I think the media went wrong is that those are all just really generalized conversations. And while they're important to have, they weren't really focusing on the specifics of the case as much as I think they should have. So if you think about this from like a Johnny Depp supporter's perspective, if you can put yourself in those shoes, if you're engaging with the content of the trial and you're sharing things about, you know, the audio tapes or specific allegations, specific photos, stuff that Johnny Depp was saying in the trial and clipping out those statements and using that to paint Amber as the abuser in the situation. When all of the Johnny Depp side is doing that, which they definitely were, there were so many clips of the trial that were just spread all across Twitter and TikTok and what have you. When you then go on to like, I don't even know, Vox or Insider or the Washington Post, and they're just making really general claims in support of Amber, like, this is why we should believe women, or this is a representation of how men get away with abuse, that makes it seem like you're only supporting Amber because she's a woman and it benefits the general Me Too argument. And clearly, Amber had a lot of evidence on her side. It wasn't just people siding with her because she's a woman, though generally this is a pattern of how we talk about female victims and there was a lot of misogyny in how people were counteracting Amber's claims. But I didn't see as many or really any, like, big publications actually combing through all of the points that Johnny and Team Johnny was making, and that definitely benefited the Johnny Depp supporting side because they could say, oh, well, the mainstream media is only siding with Amber because she's a woman. They're not actually engaging with the facts of this trial because they weren't really engaging with the facts of that trial, at least as much as they should have to counteract all the misinformation that was being propagated on social media. And I understand why. I mean, before I started really looking into this case, when the trial first started happening, I made the conscious choice that I wasn't going to follow it. I knew that it was going to be like a big, just pop culture thing with stands really gathering around to support the person that they stand. So I just didn't want to get caught up in the fanfare of all of it. And I thought, if I'm going to comment on the trial, I'm going to wait till the whole thing is over and I can look at all the evidence that's been laid out and not have to deal with any sort of, like, anchoring bias, which refers to the bias that you get when you have, like, one set of information at first and that's what you anchor your opinion to and then every bit of information that comes afterward, then it just gets filtered through that bias of... Well, I already made my opinion and I don't want to change it, so I'm just gonna do my best to try to counteract whatever this new information is and prove my original point. I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to get sucked into whatever the initial narrative was if later information contradicted it. I thought that that was the most reasonable, responsible thing to do at the time. I did not realize how much social media was going to lose its fucking mind. And if I had, 
I would have personally just started interacting with it like immediately. And I think if other publications had gotten in on that initially and actively took the time to debunk different things that were coming out about the trial or contextualize things, like maybe if people with large enough platforms were actually taking the time to put Johnny Depp's words under as much scrutiny as Amber Heard's words were, I don't know that it would have gotten quite as bad. But I think we really just didn't realize how many people we needed on the ground actively debunking things. You know, Snopes just isn't gonna do it all on its own. So that's what I mean when I say that the media just fucked up. But also, like, you know, there's not a whole lot of journalists being paid a decent amount of money, you know? Like, at the end of the day, it really did come down to individual users on Twitter, and Johnny Depp stands just had a lot more in way of numbers than Amber did, because she's not as established as a celebrity. So, you know, it's not like people at CNN were really getting paid enough to deal with that bullshit every day. But we gotta keep that in mind next time. When something like this starts to break out, uh, we can't let it get quite as far before we start doing the fact-checking. I'll just make a note of that myself. But then the second thing that I wanted to talk about that was in this Reddit forum is more specific to something that I said, because I fucked up. So, the OP posted, the only correction I could really make when the Depp stands tried to dox Camila, it was not because the PR professional was black and also named Camila, it was because she was black, period. She had an entirely different name. Camila was represented by a cartoon image, the PR professional was represented by a cartoon image. Not very similar except both were black women, but it was a stretch. That was it. No name similarity at all. It was, you know, basic racism. You can't really say it was one person being racist because the whole bandwagon filled up. Then someone else responded and said, I'm currently listening to the podcast and I'm at the part where she makes this error, so I came here because I wanted to leave a note about it. Glad to see that you already did so. I wouldn't blame Medusini for making the error because she seems like someone that really tries to give people the benefit of the doubt, and so she may have presumed for this reason that the doxing was because they shared a name too. Sadly, as you note, it was really just because she was black and nothing more. They never shared any names. So first of all, I appreciate you saying that... I am someone who wants to give people the benefit of the doubt. I think that's mostly true. I try to at least just be fair to all sides. In this case, though, it was literally just me being wrong. I didn't, like, research that part. I was planning on doing that, but then I had a really limited amount of time for recording, and it was already such a long episode, it just kind of fell through the cracks. So I was really just going off of memory from what I saw on Twitter, and I must have just misread some of the tweets, or misunderstood them, or misremembered them. So I did think that there was something said about how the PR person was also named Camila, but I guess that was just wrong. It was just that she was black, so I'm really glad that you corrected that because you are correct. I mean, I thought that it was racist no matter what, because even if they were both named Camila, like, two black women can be named Camila. It's not, like, that uncommon of a name, and not all black women who have the same name are the same person. But yeah, it is definitely a level worse, because they didn't even have that. That could at least have been a weird coincidence, but no, they were just two black women. So yeah, 
pure racism, pure bigotry that really does need to be called out. I'm upset that I messed that detail up. I mean, it was a smaller part of the episode, but it does need to be emphasized how absolutely wild people were treated during this time, especially black women on Twitter who were defending Amber. I mean, it was it was just ridiculous. And that detail definitely does clarify exactly how blatant the bigotry was. So that was purely my bad. Uh, next time I'm talking about such a sensitive topic, I will make sure to go back and double check everything that I'm saying, because you were totally right, that was wrong. Before we move on though, I do just want to say, as exhausting as covering this topic has been, I do really appreciate the audience who has interacted with my content, because you guys have been very, very kind, and all of the emails that I've received about my page with corrections, even people who I could tell were not Amber stands or Amber supporters, even they were really respectful to talk with, and I enjoyed that correspondence, so I appreciate that. My experience on Twitter, you know, a <laughs> little, little different, but for people who were, like, interacting with me directly, in the podcast directly, they were super nice. So I appreciate everyone who has sent me any sort of message, and I definitely appreciate all of you on the Depth Delusion subreddit. You guys have been great, and I'm glad that I can get corrections from people that are nice and thoughtful and well-articulated. So if any of you are still here from the Johnny Amber coverage, I appreciate you, thank you, love you. Now moving on to one more thing before our main topic, I have started a YouTube channel for this podcast. I actually made it like a while ago, but then it took a while to like get most of the episodes uploaded because I just wasn't that motivated to. YouTube is kind of a pain in the ass, especially with any of the episodes where I have like copyrighted material on them. I mean, all of it is fair use, I know that, but YouTube's algorithm, like they got robots and shit that pick out all the different copyrighted materials, so even if it's in fair use, it'll still get flagged, and then you have to, like, appeal it. It's just a whole pain in the ass, and YouTube pisses me off, but I'm bringing it up because I do plan on doing some, like, actual video content soon-ish, so if you want to go follow me over there, you can. It's just Medusini, just the channel name is that, so you can find it as long as you can spell the name of this podcast. I also will say that some of the episodes that I've uploaded onto YouTube are better audio quality because the files can be bigger, so especially for the five-hour episode, I didn't have to compress that one. So it's, uh, it's a little better quality than what's here on streaming services, if you want to listen to that. But let's jump into our main topic, and that is the clusterfuck that is the promotional campaign for Don't Worry Darling, a movie that's coming out in, like, two weeks, but it's already premiered in Venice, which we'll get to that. But let's go back all the way to the beginning, so... Don't Worry Darling is a movie that is directed by Olivia Wilde. Olivia is an actress, you probably already know her from various things like the TV show's House or The O.C. And she's been in a lot of comedies like Year One, The Change Up, etc. 
But her big directorial debut was the film Booksmart, came out, what, like 2019-ish? I think it was before the pandemic, at least. Really good movie. I liked it a lot. I was kind of disappointed that it wasn't a bigger success at the box office, but oh well. It at least got really good reviews, so that's promising for Olivia's career in directing. So then sometime around the end of 2019 or the beginning of 2020, she announces this film, Don't Worry Darling, starring Florence Pugh and at the time, Shia LaBeouf. Shia eventually left the project. It was announced in early 2020, and I do have a quote here. I did that amount of research, at least. Olivia said at the time, I say this as someone who is such an admirer of his work, his process was not conductive to the ethos that I demand in my productions. He has a process that, in some ways, seems to require a combative energy, and I don't personally believe that it is conducive to the best performances. That is why Olivia said that Shia left the project. Now, Shia disagrees with that portrayal of events, but we'll come back to that in a second. What's also kind of important here is that later that year, in late 2020, FKA Twigs, who had previously been in a relationship with Shia, came out with allegations of abuse against him that are pretty heinous. I'm not going to go into the details of that, but let's just say on the podcast, we are anti-Shia. But again, those allegations came out after he was already off the project. Once he left, he was replaced by a Mr. Harry Styles, who Olivia said she actually intended the role to go to in the first place, but at the time, Harry was touring, and it was just sort of lucky that the 2020 pandemic postponed his tour. Harry and Olivia then started dating, or they were already dating. That part of the timeline is a little murky. They've never really come out and given a date. They haven't really even come out and said specifically that they are dating. It's just known because, you know, there's photos of them out holding hands and shit. Clearly, they are together. And either Olivia was already dating Harry and or was romantically interested in dating Harry when she cast him or they started dating while the movie was in production. Now, the two things that kind of go along with that conversation is, one, that Olivia hired Harry because she was into him romantically and he maybe didn't earn the role in a traditional sense, or that maybe with them getting together on the set that that could have been an inappropriate situation. For the cast, but here's what I'd say about that. I don't think that it's inherently bad to date a co-star, even if the co-star is technically below you in that Olivia is the director and Harry is the actor. I think that that can be managed well as long as everyone is aware of the situation and there's, you know, HR people are involved to oversee it, make sure no one's getting preferential treatment, there's nothing inappropriate happening while everyone's on set, that can be managed, you know? There are some jobs, obviously, where absolutely do not cross that professional boundary. If you're, like, a doctor, don't fuck your patients. If you're a teacher, don't fuck your students, even if it's, like, in college and everyone's technically illegal. Just don't do it. You don't want to be the person grading your boyfriend, girlfriend, partner's homework. Just, just no. But in a situation with, like, a movie, you know, 
as long as everyone's being mindful, that can be absolutely fine. There was also some suspicion on Olivia due to the age gap, but I don't see it as a super problematic age gap because Harry is an adult. Like, yeah, she is a bit older than him, but it's not like he's 19, like fresh into adulthood. He has experiences with other relationships. He has experiences in the industry. I don't see that as inherently problematic. The other point of interest around this relationship, though, is the fact that Olivia started dating Harry very quickly after her split with Jason Sudeikis, whom she'd been dating from 2011 to 2020. They never got married, but they do have two children together, so a pretty serious relationship, obviously. There is some debate about whether or not she began dating Harry while she was still technically with Jason, but that detail really doesn't interest me because I feel like if you've already been with someone for nine years and you've got two kids with them, if you start dating someone before you're like officially split, yeah, that's not good. You probably want to clean up all your loose ends, but I don't think that Harry was a total homewrecker in this situation. If Olivia was straying to him, the relationship with Jason was probably already at its end, let's be honest. I highly doubt Harry Styles was, like, the thing that broke them up. It was probably just, like, a coincidence that she happened to meet this new guy as she was transitioning out of her former relationship, so... I, I don't care if the ending of her relationship with Jason was kinda messy. It was a nine-year relationship with two kids. It's gonna be messy when it ends. That's that's the nature of how those things go. I do think it's interesting though that in this conversation in which Harry Styles is being portrayed as the homewrecker, he's not really getting that much shit for it, and I don't think he needs to get any shit. Ultimately, it was Olivia who was in the relationship. It's her responsibility if she was unfaithful in any way, but you know, in other situations in which a woman is a homewrecker, Typically, she gets a little bit more backlash than Harry's gotten, and Olivia's gotten kind of most of it in this situation. So, just interesting. Interesting to see the difference in how people are treated. But, whatever, let's move on. So, Harry is cast with Florence Pugh. There's other people in the movie. Olivia also acts in it. Chris Pine is in it. Nick Kroll is in it. It's got a really good cast, and from the summary that I've been made aware of for this movie and the trailers and everything that I've seen, I was really looking forward to it. I thought it was going to be a really good movie, and I was very excited because I like Harry Styles. I really liked his Fine Line album. I don't know much about him as an actor. I didn't see that Dunkirk movie that he was in, so I don't know if he's good at acting, but he's a charming dude, so, you know, I was excited for it. And I love Florence Pugh. She was incredible in Midsommar. She was incredible in Little Women. I didn't see the Black Widow movie, but I heard she was good in it, and it doesn't surprise me. She's probably one of my favorite working actresses. So Florence Pugh, Olivia Wilde, Chris Pine, who's also fucking great, Harry Styles, all of them together, I was like, this sounds incredible. 
Unfortunately, there was apparently a lot of drama behind the scenes, so it starts off with a lot of little rumors, and those I very early on dismissed because there was a lot of hate being lobbied against Olivia Wilde because of the Jason Sudeikis thing, and also because Harry Styles has a lot of fans who are very protective of him and or just want to have sex with him themselves, so any sort of female partner that he has is gonna get some shit, and I wasn't really gonna take a lot of the criticism of her seriously because it just seemed like that at first. Like when the trailer first dropped, I remember seeing Harry Styles stands saying like, oh my god, Harry's barely even in the trailer, and the moments that he is in the trailer, he's in like sex scenes and stuff, it was just, it was stupid. They were criticizing Olivia for the trailer of the movie because they thought that it objectified Harry when, number one, directors don't fucking edit the trailers. Olivia had nothing to do with that. That's all studio. Maybe she could give some notes, but I don't even think that it's on her radar of things to worry about, so who fucking cares what the trailer is looking like? Olivia didn't do that. But then also, Olivia was very clear when talking about the movie that it was going to be really female-centric and it was going to be focused on a female perspective, so I don't care that Harry Styles isn't in the trailer that much. It's not about him. It's about the female characters. That was just a very tone-deaf thing to complain about, I think. But whatever, it was out there. The anti-Olivia campaign was well underway. She did get some more sympathy, though, when at an event, some sort of film thing, I don't know, she was giving a speech and talking about Don't Worry Darling, and then she was served papers. This guy came up onto the stage, handed her something in a manila envelope. She did not know what it was. She opened it up at first and then saw what it was and was like, oh, okay, I see. It came out that those were custody papers for the arrangement that Jason Sudeikis had filed for. And yeah, I, bad, bad timing. Now, Jason has since said that that was not his intention. He did not think that Olivia was going to receive the papers at that place at that time because that's hugely embarrassing to be served papers from your ex while you're on stage promoting your film. I don't know how much I believe Jason. I know Olivia definitely doesn't believe it. She made a statement that pretty clearly implies she thought that that was purposeful and said, as I already speculated, there's a reason her and Jason broke up. I don't think it really has much to do with Harry. I think it probably has to do with Olivia and Jason, as breakups typically do. They usually have something to do with the two people who are in the relationship, but whatever. Clearly, this was not an amicable split. And considering the amount of effort someone would have to go through in order to serve Olivia those papers on that stage seems intentional. Just just gonna say that maybe it wasn't Jason, maybe it was just like a super chaotic process server who lives for drama and saw a really good opportunity to create some headlines. I mean, I wouldn't not respect that. I think it's a little fucked up, but also like 
I don't know, you know, you're you're probably like in a courthouse doing boring ass shit all day. You get an opportunity to go fuck with a celebrity for a second. I, I don't totally blame someone for taking that. If that's what happened, I think it probably is likely that Jason told them to serve it in the way that they served it. But who knows? We'll never know. But we did get some spicy drama there. Now, more in the end of the production side of this fiasco, there started to be rumors that Florence and Olivia did not get along. The first rumors I saw of this, I again just totally wrote off because I thought that it was more like Harry Styles stands being weird because a lot of the speculation at first was just based off the fact that Florence wasn't actively promoting the film on her social media. And this was a couple, like, months ago, so I was kind of like, well, I mean, maybe she's just waiting for it to get closer, or maybe she was busy doing something. Like, who, who knows why someone would or wouldn't promote something on their social media? It didn't seem totally suspect to me. I mean, it was maybe notable, because as people were pointing out, she did do a lot more heavy promo for other projects that she's been on. But I was not so quick to jump to that conclusion that she just hated working on the film. But yeah, as time went on, it, it definitely seems like she hated working on the film. There are a few different theories as to why. So one of them is that Florence and Harry hooked up at some point and now she's mad at Olivia. I really don't think that one is true. Number one, because there's no evidence for it whatsoever. Number two, because it just seems like the kind of thing that people would make up, you know? Two women fighting over a boy, even if he's a very, very cute boy. Yeah, I, I don't buy it. But there is, like, one other motivating factor for this theory, and that's around the time that the movie was being filmed, Florence and her long-term boyfriend, Zach Braff, broke up. Again, we don't know what the specific timeline for that is, but maybe if her and Zach broke up, like, early 2020, late 2019, I don't... I don't know, I, I feel like they were still together then, but who knows? Who, also, who cares? I'm just not buying that theory in the first place, so I don't need to do the math on it. The second theory is also kind of weird to me, but maybe it happened, and that's that Florence was friends with Jason Sudeikis, and I think people are only saying that because Zach Braff had some sort of connection to Jason Sudeikis. As far as I know, Florence and Jason haven't, like, hung out publicly. I don't know what even the basis for saying that they're friends is, but in this theory, they're friends, and she was upset with the way that Olivia and Jason's relationship ended, so she's taking it out on Olivia now. I, again, don't really think that that's likely, because, I mean, how wrapped up do you get in your friends' relationships that you would continue working with their ex for one thing, but then also treat them like shit on top of it, I would have to imagine that Florence would hopefully be more professional than that. I mean, unless whatever happened between Jason and Olivia was really bad. Otherwise, it's just a fucking breakup. People break up. You move on. How close would Florence and Jason have to be that she was taking that personally? The next theory I think is a little more reasonable, and that is that Olivia and Harry were kind of inappropriate on set. 
there's some different speculation or rumors that Olivia would be kind of missing from set and would be in Harry's trailer a whole lot. I don't know if that's true, but it at least sounds more plausible in terms of why Florence would be mad. And along with that, there's a general accusation that Harry just sucks as an actor. And Florence was kind of pissed about his casting because she's like a really serious actress. I feel like he would have to be like really, really bad for it to have stained her experience that much. But maybe he is. I don't know. There's more about Harry's performance that we'll get to when it comes up in this somewhat chronological timeline. But for the most part, the reviews have come out and... There's not glowing reviews for Harry's performance, but it's also not, like, headline-grabbing bad. But, you know, maybe. Maybe he just was unprofessional on set and she was annoyed about it. I have no idea. Now, I am going in order here from least to most likely scenarios. And this next one, I don't really believe that it's true, but if it is, I think it could be a contributing factor. So... A couple weeks ago, there was a report, I really shouldn't even say report, I should just say rumor because it's not substantiated by any evidence whatsoever, but there was a rumor that there was a large pay gap between what Harry Styles got for his part and what Florence Pugh got for hers. He, I think, was rumored to have made like $2.5 million for his role, and then... Florence, I guess, got paid $700,000, which is ridiculous because she's the lead. But Hollywood does have a tendency to do what the rest of America does, and that's pay women less for basically the same work. And that also applies to people of color and other minorities. White men are kind of at the top and they get paid hella well compared to the shit that the rest of us are expected to take. So it's not totally surprising that Harry Styles might be paid more than Florence Pugh, but number one for it to happen on a supposedly feminist film set is a bit disappointing. And then also for the disparity to be so large where Florence is making about a third of the amount that Harry is when she is in fact the main actress for the film it it's definitely a bad look but also i really doubt that that's true for one thing the tabloid or website that claimed this had absolutely no source for it whatsoever and it was not a trusted organization it was just some fucking random website it doesn't matter Olivia Wilde also did come out and corrected that and said that there was, in fact, no pay gap. And I'm inclined to believe her because, number one, if she was lying, you know, she could just get caught lying. And that would be an even worse look. But number two, I really don't think that that pay disparity makes any sense. So let's remember for one thing that by the time Harry Styles joined this cast... The film was already in pre-production, they were already starting rehearsals with Shia LaBeouf, so the budget was already more or less set. They probably did up 
Harry's salary a bit from whatever Shia was getting, because he's a big pop star and he's a big name, and he is coming into this in the middle of the pre-production schedule, so it's, you know, it's not outside the realm of possibility that he would negotiate a higher pay than what Shia was getting. But I don't think that they would have raised it to such a degree that he's making triple the amount Florence Pugh is. Unless that's what Shia was already making, and I highly doubt that. Yes, Harry's a pop star, and he can charge a premium price for that, but for the studio to pay him so much more, he would have to be someone that they could guarantee would absolutely bring that amount more of people in to see the film. Like, they have to make up that money somehow, and... Unless they thought that Harry was really going to drive the sales of the film that much, there would just be no reason for them to pay him such a substantially large amount of money. And Harry doesn't have a body of work that proves that he's going to be a great, amazing film actor who's going to get rave reviews and bring a whole bunch of people into the theater. And yet he also doesn't have such a limited resume for acting that... It's like a unicorn casting, you know what I mean? If this were the only movie Harry Styles was ever going to do in his career, it would be one thing to pay him a bit extra to appear in the film. But he's signed on for like four other movies that are coming out within the next couple years. So it's no guarantee that every Harry Styles fan is going to show up for this particular film because they could just go see him in a whole bunch of other movies that might be more interesting to them. I don't think that Harry was really gonna be paid three times Florence's salary just because he's Harry Styles. It doesn't make much sense. And if we assume that Shia LaBeouf was getting paid that amount when he was on the film, that means that Florence agreed to that amount when she entered her contract, and I just have a hard time believing that. It's a little easier to trick a new actress into working for way less than what she's worth, but at this point, Florence Pugh is very established and she's a very in-demand actress. She has managers that know how to negotiate and they probably asked at least a little bit, like, what's the general ballpark that the other actors on this film are making? And if they had any clue that Shia LaBeouf was making, like, three times the amount as Florence, I don't think they would have just taken that deal. If they did, I mean, to some degree, that's kind of on her. If Florence decided that she wasn't worth anything more than $700,000... She's been in the game long enough for her to have those negotiating powers. I'm not saying that she's gonna be paid fairly just because she's famous and well-established now, but for a deal that shitty? I, I don't think that her management team is that bad at their jobs. So when Olivia says there's no pay gap between Florence and Harry, I, I believe that. That makes sense to me. But if there is a bit of a pay gap, even if there's one that severe, the amount of backlash Olivia is getting for that is pretty weird because directors don't 
decide how much the actors make? I mean, Olivia definitely has sway. She could talk to the studio and really lobby for someone to get paid more if she really, really wants them on the project. But she's not coming up with the budget. The actors aren't being paid from Olivia's bank account. It all goes through another set of people, the studio, the investors, the other producers who actually put money into the film. If Florence got a really, really bad deal, it's not because Olivia just decided to pay her less. It's at most Olivia didn't vouch for Florence the way that she could have, and I get maybe Florence would be upset about that, and that could be annoying to her on the film set, but it's not totally Olivia's fault that Florence is getting paid the amount that she is getting paid. So if there is a problem with a wage gap between Harry and Florence, I don't think that that explains all the drama, because that is a very large reaction to have to something that is ultimately not Olivia's doing. If Olivia failed to advocate for Florence, it might just be one little thing in the bucket of all the things that is going on between Olivia and Florence. But I did just want to emphasize this point because I see so many people online being like, Oh my god, Olivia acts like she's a feminist, and yet on her set, Harry Styles gets paid so much more than Florence Pugh. Olivia didn't do that. Olivia is not in charge of that, and it's not, like, extra woke for you to blame a female director for the fact that Hollywood fucks female actresses over. I don't know why you would ever assume that Olivia has that much power over who gets paid what. She just simply does not. She is a cog in the machine, just like everybody else. The leading theory as of right now, though, has to do with our old friend Shia LaBeouf. So, as I said, in early 2020, Olivia Wilde had already discussed the fact that Shia had left the project, and she said that he was let go because he was just combative on set. She's never really given any details, but definitely seemed like he was a problem. Shia came out and said that that was not true, that he actually left on his own because uh, there wasn't enough rehearsal time or something. He didn't like the environment on the set. And then recently, when asked about Shia leaving, especially now that we're in the time after the FKA Twix allegations came out, Olivia said of his alleged firing, quote, A lot came to light after this happened that really troubled me in terms of his behavior. For our film, what we really needed was an energy that was incredibly supportive. Particularly with a movie like this, I knew that I was going to be asking Florence to be in a very vulnerable situation, and my priority was making her feel safe and making her feel supported. So the implication here is that Shia was let go because him and Florence didn't get along, and Olivia thought that Shia's behavior specifically was really not conducive to the environment she wanted her actors to work in. That sounds totally reasonable to me. But Shia then came back with his own receipts and basically provided evidence that he actually was the one to quit. Specifically, there's a video of Olivia calling Shia, well not calling him, like she was just filming a video that she sent to him via text, and she's saying, 
essentially that she wants Shia back on the film, so it's taken at this point that Shia had already quit when Olivia sent him this video, and she wants to work through the issues with him and, quote, Miss Flo. She says something to the effect of, perhaps this will be a learning experience for Miss Flo, implying that maybe Florence was the one who was being unprofessional, or something to that nature. Seems like she's kind of throwing Florence under the bus, but she also doesn't give any specifics. The Miss Flo thing does come across as a little condescending, though. So here's what I'll say about this whole situation. Number one, there was a lot of discourse that I saw online that was basically saying like, oh, Olivia Wilde pretends to be a feminist, but here she's begging to have this abuser on her set. Again, like I said a little bit ago, this whole thing, the whole thing with Shia leaving the project, that all happened prior to FKA Twig's allegations coming out. I don't have any reason to believe that Olivia knew that Shia had any sort of history of abuse when she was asking him to be in her film. Now, whatever his behavior was on set, I obviously can't speak to. Maybe it was, like, ridiculously, absolutely inappropriate, and maybe Florence was in a really unsafe situation. It's also possible, though, that they were just bickering and they were just two co-workers who didn't get along like that happens without one person being the toxic one so i don't know that there's hard evidence that olivia was allowing florence to be in an unsafe situation she probably didn't know that shia had a violent aggressive side to him or she only saw him being, like, kind of aggressive in an obnoxious actor kind of way? You know, how people who act are kind of the worst sometimes? So maybe she didn't think anything of it. Maybe the whole issue between Florence and Shia was that he was too method. I don't know. But as for Olivia quote-unquote lying about Shia being fired, I also don't know that this proves that because while it does seem in these videos that he had already quit and Olivia was asking him to come back, which contradicts the claim that she fired him and didn't want him back on the set, we also don't know the timeline. It is possible that after this video, Shia did come back to set and then Olivia fired him after that. And I'm really only bringing this up just because I don't consider Shia LaBeouf a super credible source of information. I mean, I think we need to take what he says into consideration, and he does have these receipts, but I don't know that these receipts are in their full context, and he also is just a proven liar. Like, when the FKA Twigs allegations first came out, he denied a lot of them, and then has since come back and said, actually, no, I was really abusive and horrible. He also recently admitted that his movie Honey Boy, which he wrote and directed, or I think Maybe he didn't direct it. I know he wrote it, but that was a movie that was allegedly about the abuse he suffered as a child at the hands of his father. He came out recently and said that that was not true. He was never abused by his father. He just wrote the movie that way because it was more dramatic. I don't know. He's a proven liar. I don't trust him. And I'm going to take any evidence that he presents with a grain of salt because it's always possible that that's not the full story. And it was just kind of a little weird to go on Twitter and see people holding up 
the word of Shia LaBeouf, a known admitted abuser? Just to be like, look, Olivia Wilde's a fake feminist. Like, okay. <laughs> I mean, maybe she misstated something in regards to how he left the project, or... Yeah, it was kind of manipulative in the media, but this is the same thing with, like, the Amber Heard situation. Celebrities say shit in the media that's not 100% true. It's just so commonplace that I can't take that as, like, proof that Olivia Wilde or Amber Heard or anyone else is, like, an evil mastermind who's a fake feminist and is just trying to trick everybody. I don't know. There seems to be an assumption of real deviousness that I don't think is appropriate. It's more just like Hollywood people being Hollywood people, which makes them kind of assholes sometimes. That's at least how I'm seeing it thus far. Now, around the time that this shit started to go down, there was also a clip from the movie that got released and it didn't look very good. It was really just a very short clip of Harry Styles and Florence, and Harry's accent just goes in and out. I really can't evaluate how bad it is because I don't know what accent he's attempting. It goes in and out so much that, like, I don't know what to grade it on. I don't know which parts are wrong and which parts are more correct. Maybe it's even just a bad clip. Like, it could just be cut out of, like, a scene that... It makes it look weird. I don't know. I haven't seen the movie. And like I said, with how weird the accent work was in that clip, I would expect if it were a huge problem throughout the movie that that would make up more headlines for the reviews that are coming out. And I just haven't seen that. Most people are criticizing the writing more than anything. They're not necessarily criticizing anyone's performance. They're raving about Florence's performance, but that is not surprising. But the clip is mostly just a fun little addition to the unfolding drama. Just another embarrassing thing surrounding the film, but not necessarily indicative of the deeper drama that was apparently happening behind the scenes. So to get into that, let's talk a little bit more about how Florence has started presenting herself in relation to this film. So, as I already said, she wasn't promoting it a whole lot on her social media. She's still not promoting it a whole lot on her social media. I even looked at her recent Instagram uploads and she's got photos from the premiere and then like she'll do a hashtag that says don't worry darling, but other than that she's really not even mentioning the movie. She's just you know, talking about how nice Chris Pine is, and I bet he is so nice. I love Chris Pine. Anyway, she has also done some interviews, including one in which she was asked about a sex scene that she had to film with Mr. Harry Styles, and it contrasted quite a bit with an interview that Olivia Wilde had given, because Olivia had emphasized this scene a lot in her press statements. I guess there's a sex scene in which Harry is going down on Florence. I would like to see it. And while Olivia was talking about that and how that was an empowering thing because the film is really valuing female pleasure, 
when it was brought up with Florence, she had a take that was more like, I really wish people would stop asking me about the sex scenes. The movie is about more than the sex scenes. So it kind of seemed like shade, considering that they were both talking about the same scenes, but in a very different way, where Olivia wanted to hype the cunnilingus up and Florence really wanted to downplay it. So that was another thing. Then... It was announced that Florence would not be completing any real promo for the movie. Normally, when films come out, the entire cast and then members of the crew, like maybe the director, the screenwriter, some of the producers, they'll go and do press junkets where they'll answer questions. Just sitting in a room, different interviewers will come in and ask them various things, and that's very, very normal. It's expected that people will be participating in that when they sign on to do a movie. Florence decided not to do that, and that became public information that again provoked more discussion about how Olivia and Florence are not getting along. Alongside all of this, Harry starts to get some more criticism and backlash just separately, and it's kinda connected, I guess. So. For one thing, there's some interviews that come out, one with Rolling Stone, where it's not his fault, but whoever was working on that cover referred to him as the new King of Pop, which is a huge mistake. I, As intense as you might think Johnny Depp stands are, I have never met a stan base that is so easily offended and upset than the Michael Jackson standbase, and they were livid. Now, is Harry Styles a king of pop? Or the king of pop? No, definitely not. I mean, it's such an absurd thing to put on the cover of Rolling Stone. I think it was like Rolling Stone UK or something. It wasn't even the American edition, but whatever. I almost have to assume that whoever put that wanted the engagement, like, wanted a commotion because it was trending on Twitter. I don't know why else you would call Harry Styles the king of pop. I mean, he doesn't really make, like, pop-pop music. He, he does. It's pop. But it's not like he's a pop star the way that Michael Jackson was or that most female pop stars are today. It isn't, like, dance or do choreography, which is kind of what we associate with a pop star. Not that you have to do that to do pop music, but if you're the king or queen of the genre, then yeah, you gotta do a little more in terms of your stage work than Harry does. Harry's a great musician, but king of pop, no. It seems like a purposefully inflammatory cover that just got him a whole lot of backlash and was not his fault because he didn't write that, but... Alongside that, there were also some quotes, one about him queerbaiting. So the interviewer asked him about what he thought about the accusation of queerbaiting because he's never labeled his sexuality, but he definitely does appeal to a lot of people within the LGBT community, and yet he's never been seen with a male partner, he's only been with women publicly, to which Harry, I think, reasonably says that he's never really been with anyone publicly. 
He has been associated with different people and people have inferred that he was dating certain people at different times. And yes, those were all women, but it's not like he's a super public person to begin with. And I think it is reasonable that he keeps his sexuality private if that's what he wants to do. I wrote a post on this at my blog that was just about why I don't really think that we should be applying the word queer baiting to human beings. It's just a little bit too restrictive to people's sexuality and their right to disclose their sexuality if and when they want to. So that's just kind of where I stand on that. But the quote just sort of like, I mean, I don't know how Olivia is getting shit on for this, but people were mocking her because they were like, oh my god, you went to all this trouble to cast this man in your movie, and he won't even publicly claim you. Because, like he said, he's never been publicly with anyone, and he's very clearly in a relationship with Olivia, which means he is not publicly claiming to be Olivia's boyfriend. And yeah, maybe that would piss me off personally, but we also can't assume that Olivia wants to be publicly claimed. Maybe she also prefers having a private relationship. And even if she doesn't, like, don't fucking make fun of her for that. That's so mean. But whatever, Olivia's just getting piled on. But Harry is definitely getting some shit too, because along with that, he was talking about another movie that he's going to be in soon. I don't know if he's already started filming, but the movie isn't, like, out yet. I mean, it doesn't have trailers or anything, so I don't know very much about it. But I guess he plays a gay character, and he was talking about the sex scenes in that movie, and how he wanted that to be more, like, tender, and not just, like, two gay guys fucking. Now, the quote itself is just worded badly, but I also get where he's coming from, that he doesn't want it to just be super over-sexualized or fetishized. He wants it to be like a more romantic, tender kind of thing. I get it. I get what he's saying. A lot of people on Twitter, though, are really uncharitable about this quote. And it brought some funny memes, so I'm not too mad about it, but... I definitely think that some people weren't being totally fair with what he was saying, and I think that has a lot to do with him just kind of being overexposed right now. And that's actually pretty interesting to me, and almost a testament to Harry kind of being like a gender non-conforming king, because this is the kind of backlash that women usually get, you know? Where it's not really based on anything specific. Harry never did anything wrong. But he's also just been really public for a really long time and hasn't evaded back into the shadows for a minute. And people get sick of that. And they usually get sick of that when it comes to women. You'll notice that when a female pop star, like Lady Gaga, Taylor Swift, whomever, has like a big cultural moment where they're everywhere, they're doing appearances, they're coming out with albums, they're doing tours, they then have to rescind back into their private life because if they're in the public sphere for too long, people get really, really annoyed and then they just start making up shit to be mean to them. Like when Lady Gaga, right before like the R-pop era and stuff, when she broke her hip, there were so many rumors that she did it on purpose, or not that she did it on purpose, but that she faked it to cancel her tour. Like, it was this whole weird conspiracy that was really just based around the fact that Lady Gaga had just been too public for too long. She had gone straight from the fame to born this way in one string, 
and her image just started to oversaturate the public eye. So people had to find a reason to be pissed at her. And I think that's kind of what's happening to Harry Styles. He did Fine Line at the end of 2019. He promoted that all the way through until the tour started in like mid-end-ish of 2021. Then he had another album come out pretty soon after that. He's already on tour for that. He's got this movie coming out. He's got other movies coming out. He's in like the fucking Marvel Cinematic Universe already. If Harry were a woman, I would have been like just super worried for him months ago. I didn't expect him to get this level of backlash because usually men don't, but... If this were, like, Taylor Swift, I would have been like, Girl, you gotta stop. People are starting to get annoyed. You can't be this public for this long. So it's almost kind of exciting, I guess. As much as I don't think Harry totally deserves it, it is, it is sort of funny to watch it happen to a dude. I think that he probably doesn't know what to do now. I mean, let's be honest, Harry does have a dominantly female audience, and he is now linked with a much maligned woman, that being Olivia Wilde, so there probably is still quite a bit of misogyny in the backlash he's getting, but it's at least not as blatant as, like, a Taylor Swift is over party hashtag, so maybe that's progress. I don't know. Anyway, then we move on to the real coup de grace of this saga, at least thus far. Who knows if... More developments will come later, but so on Monday, which was Labor Day, great Labor Day for me, I had the day off, and I hope that all other workers around the world also got to watch this whole train wreck unfold the way that I did, because it was very entertaining. And if you didn't have the day off, I hope that you at least got time and a half wherever you were working, and you had a phone where you could periodically check in on the drama. So this all goes down at the Venice Film Festival, where Don't Worry Darling was premiering. Even though Florence didn't go to the press junkets or do any promo for the movie, she did come to the premiere. She looked gorgeous, and Chris Pine was there taking photos of her with a little disposable camera, because I don't know if you know this about Chris, but he doesn't have a smartphone, he only has a flip phone, so he couldn't take photos with, like, an iPhone, he had to bring a little fucking disposable camera. He's so cute, I love him so much. But so anyway, him and Florence and Nick Kroll are all kind of hamming it up on the red carpet, they look like they're having a great time. Harry is just, like, signing autographs. He also interacts with some of the other cast members. Not really Florence at all, so noted. He also is not directly interacting with Olivia. Now, I'm assuming this is not anything about their relationship. It's probably just that because of all the press, they don't want to be seen too much. They don't want people making anything of their relationship. So they agreed to, like, not acknowledge each other a whole bunch on the red carpet. I mean, I think it honestly makes things look a little weirder because we all know, but maybe it was ultimately the right move because Olivia's already getting some shit for possibly being inappropriate in her relationship with Harry. But rather than kissing Olivia on the red carpet, he did kiss Nick Kroll. So just add that to the list of things that happened. Not super important to the drama, but you know, I mean, I guess at least we can see that Harry gets along with Nick, and maybe also 
other cast members? Like, I don't know, I'm just trying to piece together at this point, like, what are the dividing lines? Who is on whose side? Because clearly Chris and Florence get along. Is Chris then pro-Florence, anti-Olivia? Or is it not quite that clear, you know? is Are there teams involved here? Do different people side with other people or is it like really just Olivia versus Florence and everyone else stays out of the drama? I don't know. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just a gossip. I'm just here to observe. During the press junket though, Chris Pine seems noticeably over it. He has a very like deadpan face, even more deadpan than deadpan though. Like deadpan is at least like disinterested. Chris kind of seems at moments like he wants to be literally anywhere else. He does not want to be involved in this whatsoever. Could just be that he's tired. Could be that he actually does hate the process that this film has taken. I, I don't know, but there were a lot of just funny reaction images of Chris on this press junket. But at least when he was asked questions directly, he had reasonably intelligent, thoughtful answers to them, so it's not like he was totally disengaged. Harry, on the other hand, while he seemed jovial in his presentation, his answers to questions were a little less than thoughtful. He, he, he has, like, real himbo vibes in these interviews. He's answering a question at one point, and the clip has gone around Twitter quite a lot where he's saying, the thing I like about this movie is just that it's like a movie, you know? It's the kind of thing that you go to the theater and you watch a movie. Like, it's just, it's a bunch of inane nonsense. But what I find extra funny is that in context of the interview, he's not even asked, like, what do you like about this film? The question that leads to that answer is... What do you think about people calling this film a feminist manifesto? Now, the whole answer, like, it takes a lot of different turns and stuff before he gets to that moment, but it's still a weird place to end up from that original question. And I'm not saying that Harry Styles is dumb. I don't think he is. It just seems like maybe because he's doing acting now and he's doing promo for a film, he's not used to answering questions in relation to a film. You know, like, when you're a musician and you're answering questions about your music, that's your music. You make that and you have a lot more input onto what goes into it. Whereas with a film, he's just there to act and bring someone else's vision to life. So maybe he didn't feel like he could really dive deep into his answers and answer in a way that might contradict Olivia's interpretation of the film. I don't know. I just, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt here and saying that doing interviews for movies as an actor is different from doing interviews as a musician. So I don't think he's like stupid. I just think that he, he is just bad at doing interviews for movies. That's, that's all. That's all I'll say. And you know what, even if he is kind of dumb and he is sort of a himbo, like at least he's cute and he seems nice. It's fine. We don't need guys to be like smart all the time. Some of them can just look nice. Back to the drama though. 
So even though Florence was at the premiere, she didn't do any of the press, and the reason for that, that Olivia gives when asked, is that there were scheduling conflicts because she was filming the movie Dune, or the sequel to Dune, I don't know, because the first one's already out. I don't know anything about Dune, but I guess it's a series? Anyway, it's an interesting thing to say because Timothy Chalamet is the star of the Dune series, and... He was very much at the Venice Film Festival, just fucking around like everybody else. So how much filming the Dune producers are doing at the moment is questionable. I mean, I guess I don't know much about the production of Dune, but I get the sense that they do use quite a bit of green screen, even if some stuff they film is on location. So usually with green screen, that frees up the schedule quite a lot because you don't have to work around when certain locations and sets are available or, you know, the weather, what whatever that's going to be on the days you shoot. So I find it hard to believe that they didn't plan around the Venice Film Festival when they knew that multiple of their actors were probably going to be there. But whatever. Scheduling conflicts do happen in the entertainment industry, so... It is like a really convenient excuse, even if it's not true, and it's something that people will just say whenever something like this comes up, when you need to cover up some sort of drama, you just say like, oh, there was a scheduling conflict, that's why they couldn't be here. But it's really that, you know, two people hate each other. It's interesting in this instance, though, because normally both sides will kind of keep quiet about the drama, and they have kept quiet... They haven't said anything, but Florence is definitely leaning in to the drama because while her co-stars were doing that promo and doing all those interviews, she was pretty much just around the city in Venice doing little photo shoots in a cute little outfit, kind of sending the message that like, I'm not fucking filming Dune, I'm just not going. I don't want to do promo. I'm not going to do it. Then to add a little extra spice, the stylists for Florence and Olivia got involved for, you know, no real reason other than just to add to this spectacle, I guess. But when Florence was out and about in Venice and not at the press conference that her co-stars were at, her stylist took photos of her and then put them on Instagram with the caption, Miss Flo. So, you know, that is a reference to the Olivia Wilde call or video that she sent Shia where she referred to Florence as Miss Flo. And then also in some of the photos of the stylist, they had t-shirts that said Miss Flo on them. So they put a lot of work into the shade. They must like really not like Olivia. But then don't worry, Olivia's stylist got involved too and put a cryptic thing on her Instagram story that said there's always more to the story or something like that. It's just, it's so stupid. Why are the stylists involved? Oh, I love it though. So there's kind of two factions here at the moment because on one side there is the anti-Olivia people who just think it's funny to say that Olivia is like the worst person ever and a fake feminist and so Florence must obviously be correct in what she's doing. And then there's the other side that is accusing Florence of being unprofessional and bratty and like I don't know. See this is the thing. 
it is definitely a little petty, and she's definitely perpetuating the drama by doing these photo shoots and kind of leaning in and winking at the drama in this way, but I also don't know what the conditions on the set were, and maybe if I did, I would support her in that. I'm all for a petty bitch for a good reason, so maybe I fully support Florence and every little bit of shade she throws at everyone on that set, but maybe I also don't. Maybe she is being a brat. I have no idea. To Florence's credit, though, she really only seems to have an issue with Olivia and maybe by proxy Harry, because as I said, her and Chris were yucking it up on the red carpet. Uh, she seems to get along with Nick Kroll, she seems to get along with the other co-stars, so it's not like it's Florence versus the world. So do with that what you will. If she was as unprofessional or as bratty as some people are trying to make her out to be, would Chris Pine be taking her photos with a disposable camera? I don't know. Maybe he would. Maybe he also just lives for the drama. I also have to defend Florence from Amber Heard supporters a little bit. I mean, not all of them, obviously. I am also an Amber Heard supporter, but there was one quote that came out which was, I guess, being attributed to what Florence was doing with this whole not promoting the movie thing. I don't know what the quote is from, like, where it comes from, but Florence said, I think it's very inspiring when a woman says no when she fights back on and off camera. And what some Amber Heard supporters were bringing up was the fact that Florence is a Johnny Depp supporter. Now, I understand pointing out the hypocrisy of, like, you know, women saying no and that relating to Amber Heard's allegations of abuse. Like, I get it. The thing is, though, if we're relating Florence's quote to the toxic work environment on Don't Worry Darling and her not wanting to participate in the promo for the film, it could still have been a toxic work environment for her whether or not she has bad opinions on Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. So... I mean, I just, I think this is kind of something that people did with Amber, like, because Amber had certain things that people didn't like about her, even that weren't related to her specific claims of abuse, those got used against her to be like, oh, but she's annoying, so clearly, she didn't actually get abused. Yes, Florence Pugh might have some regressive beliefs about one particular issue, but that doesn't invalidate her claims if she comes out and says that the environment on Don't Worry Darling was really problematic and harmful to her. Those two things can be simultaneously true. She can be wrong about stuff and also be a victim of an exploitative work environment. I'm not saying don't criticize her for her Johnny Depp support. I'm just saying it doesn't negate the other things that she says happened to her. But beyond the red carpet appearances, we also have the film premiere itself. So there is footage of the actors in the audience for the film. The seating arrangement has been noted by some because Florence and Olivia are about as far apart as they can be while still being on the same line of cast members. Uh, when Florence was receiving a standing ovation, she was also very, very intently, I would assume, just not looking at Olivia whatsoever. There's also a gap between Harry and Olivia, and that gap is filled by the lovely Chris Pine. 
So even Harry and Olivia aren't sitting together, much like they weren't interacting with each other on the red carpet. But then there was something that happened with Chris and Harry, allegedly. So if you missed it, because when it happened, it was, I would say, 90% of my Twitter timeline for a couple hours of people taking a short little clip of Harry sitting down next to Chris, and the way that he sits down, he appears to kind of be like pursing his lips in a specific way, and as he's doing that, Chris had been clapping and mostly like smiling, looking polite, and then he stops, looks down at his lap, looks kind of annoyed and shakes his head, and then it just kind of goes on. So this is what people were guessing happened or what they thought it looked like happened. People thought that it looks like Harry is spitting onto Chris Pine's lap. Now, it does look like that a little bit, I'm gonna say. You can't see any sort of spit coming out of Harry's mouth. People have zoomed in on it, slow-moded everything. There's no liquid coming from Harry Styles. But just the way that, like, his lips purse and then coincidentally the way that Chris Pine looks down at his lap, it does look kind of sus. However, Chris Pine's representatives have come out and said that Harry Styles did not spit on him. And yeah, I mean... That would have been a ridiculous thing for him to do in the first place. It's kind of a little bit like when people thought Amber Heard was snorting cocaine during the trial in the US. I mean, yeah, it maybe kind of looks like that, but also why? And how would she and he expect to get away with it? Can't just bring cocaine into a courtroom, put it on a tissue, and then snort it. Also, Harry knew he was being filmed. You think he's really going to attempt spitting on Chris Pine? And what if Chris Pine had reacted in, like, a really kind of outward way? I mean, if someone spit on me, I don't think that I would have the discipline to not just be like, uh, what the fuck? What if Chris had just started yelling in the middle of the Venice Film Festival premiere of their film? That would have been weird. So, no, Harry didn't fucking spit on anyone, but it would be funny if he did. And that's all that really matters, is that it would have been funny. But it just adds to the overall drama where it makes people wonder, you know, like, are they on separate teams? Is Chris so pro-Florence that now Harry hates him because Harry's dating Olivia and now Harry wants to spit on him? It just makes a good story. And I do appreciate this entire spectacle for that. It's just some good petty drama, at least for right now. There aren't really any serious allegations surrounding it. It's just kind of fun, just kind of weird, and especially for so much shit to go down in one night. I saw people comparing it to the time that Trump got COVID and how fun it was to be on Twitter that evening. And it, yeah, it's kind of the same vibes. It was fun to just look at all the little slow-mo footage things of Harry maybe spitting on Chris Pine. And it did get me thinking, by the way, about Harry Styles' overall persona. 
he's been doing this kind of male character written by a female writer thing for a while, and that may be very just authentic to who he is, but I do think his music is kind of missing an edge, and he can still be like a woke feminist king. In his music, he can still be the male character written by a woman in his work, but also maybe just be a little angrier. Like, it's almost kind of hot in a way to think about him spitting on Chris Pine, and I'm not trying to be super weird and gross about it, but just the idea that Chris Pine is friends with Florence and she's feuding with Olivia, like him spitting on Chris would at least be him showing so much loyalty to Olivia Wilde that I don't know, it's kind of like a thing, like that's kind of a romantic trope, you know? You, you kind of want someone who's willing to spit on someone who was rude to you. Not that I assume Chris Pine has ever been rude to anyone in his life, I think he's perfect, and he can spit on me too, like both Harry and Chris Pine can spit on me. This podcast has taken a weird turn, but anyway... My point is, I do hope we get a little bit of an edgier Harry in upcoming releases, because I think maybe it's what his image needs as a pop star. And then he'll finally be the real king of pop. I'm just kidding. Don't send me messages, Michael Jackson stands. You guys actually frighten me. But along with the fun celebrity drama, there is a weird pile-on happening with Olivia Wilde that I don't think is totally appropriate, especially because... We just have such little information. I mean, there's some indicators that as a director, she oversaw a pretty chaotic set with some drama, and she's responsible for that, but I don't know. I mean, I've certainly engaged in petty drama shit at work that I would be pretty embarrassing if people took things that I said and did out of context, because... Sometimes you just, you, you get in a mood and people annoy you at work and you say stuff that's kind of shady and then things escalate. We've all been there. If, you've, if you're an adult who's been working in different environments, you've got some stories of you sending some fucking shady text to a group message or something. Like, I, I just, I have no evidence that Olivia did anything that was really that bad. Or anything that's not relatable as a human being. The backlash Olivia seems to be getting is just a little much. Especially when you compare it to all the shit that male directors get away with all the time. I mean, I hate to do that double standard of, like, women should get to be as shitty as men are, but... Michael Bay had Megan Fox audition for Transformers by having her wash his car in a bikini. As far as the overall scope of the film industry goes, I do find it hard to believe that Olivia Wilde did anything that was that wild, comparatively. So uh, I'm gonna give her a break and say that she's probably not the fake feminist weirdo that people are painting her as. But this saga was still fun anyway, just for all the petty drama. And it's okay to enjoy things sometimes, even when they're a little problematic. I just hope that we are a little kinder in the future with how we talk about some of this stuff. Because it does add up. 
in the way that we talk about women like Florence Pugh and Amber Heard and Olivia Wilde does reflect our overall feelings as a society about women. And we need to be mindful of that. That's all I have to say for now. I'll be back soon with two more produced episodes. Uh, okay, bye! Love you!